unique New York. Yeah. What else does he say? Uh, he's the the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, Anchor uh, uh, Will Ferrell. And oh, Anchorman. I never saw that. Ron movie. Burgundy. I watched the other guys last night because it was. I like watching mindless movies from time to time. You know, I'm a big documentary watcher. Schindler's List, like these really deep, painful films. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll watch something stupid. Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell <laughs> together are so ridiculous. <laughs> like Dirty Mike and the Boys. Thanks for letting us use your Prius. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I said I said yesterday in work. Uh, I'm still training as a server at Legends, and uh, like the the guys were like, "Are you still training? They have, you haven't started yet." I'm like, "No." I looked at one of them. I said, "I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly, man." <laughs> That's in the movie. He's yeah, like, you gotta let me fly. He's like, you gotta, he's like, peacocks don't fly. They're flightless birds. <laughs> he kept saying it throughout the movie, and then it, like the movie ends with a peacock flying through the air. I was gonna say, are peacocks? flightless birds i, I don't know i, I think I, there's only is, really is the other guy has a good reference yeah well the one or two species that are john my brother who flightless. is filled with i don't want to say mindless but useless knowledge mm-hmm. comes up to me one day and tells me the entire story about how peacocks actually in the wild are doomed because they're so beautiful and they stand out and they're like oh look at me eat me and so they get eaten so they're better mm-hmm. in captivity at zoos for mm-hmm. us to enjoy and appreciate over tigers biting their heads off <clears throat> very interesting there you go. yeah how can we talk a lot about peacocks, but not about peahens? I guess in the same way we talk a lot about chickens, but not a lot about roosters. Do you know that? There's no such thing. As, I mean, there's a roost. Peahens. Yes, a peacock is, is a, a male. Peahen is the female. I, I ladies, I, I just stared at you for like a good solid. I didn't know that was a thing. It. I didn't know either. Up. Gosh. Hey. I want to say welcome. My name's Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. And this is... I am Forrest Clark. Forrest Clark is here in the studio with us today mm-hmm. as the guest of You'll Die Trying. I'm so excited. From what I've just heard and learned, and uh, a listener. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. It's, it's, I, Did you have to binge listen just because you knew you're coming on the show? Well, like I, I listened to it for quite a while, and then I kind of listened to... I, I go through spurts of listening to podcasts because I'll sure. find time, and then uh, you know, and I listen to several like the most recent episodes. Like the other night, uh, I was driving to um, I forgot I was driving to. I was driving like forty five minutes away to visit a buddy, and I played one, and I was like, okay, after that, I'll listen to music, and then the next one queued up and you guys came in and you were both just so excited about the episode. You're like, this is going to be the best episode ever. And I was like, okay, you've got me. What's going on? <laughs> and then it was both your wives were on. And I was like, oh, I got to listen to this one yes. too. So I, I got to my destination. I sat in the car and then just listened to the rest of it. And uh, my friend was like, you like, you got here a little bit later than I thought you would. And I was like, oh, I, I got here a while ago. I was like <laughs> listening to this. It was so funny. That's fantastic. That you had a driveway cool. moment. Yeah, I did. I did have a driveway moment. That's, That's sweet. Cool. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening. So uh, Forrest is a rising junior yeah, yeah. at Murray State University, mm-hmm. Murray, Kentucky, far yep. west side of the of the state of Kentucky. Yep. Uh, uh, an Owensboro native mm-hmm. and uh, a comedian. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I, I did not, but he has awesome hair, ladies and gents. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Ladies Thank in you. particular, I, my gosh. I always say I like to that's, enjoy it while I have it. That's puts yeah, my it's, shame. Yeah. It's always uh, a little bit different every time I see you, but it's always <laughs> excellent. Thank you. Higher the hair, the closer to God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this is You'll Die Trying.
So, Nathan. So, Dr. We, Carol. How are you? I'm good. I feel like you're coming in hot. I am. You were you you heard that? You saw all those people leaving the office? Mm-hmm. That was crazy. I'm quiet, stoic, frustrated. My ears are ringing. Birds are not singing. <laughs> what, what's the what's the learning in it for you? This too shall pass. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, it's fine. Forrest, how do you do with stress? How do I deal with stress? Mm-hmm. How do you do with it? Do you like it? Um, I you, you I mean you're in part thanks to I mean you're part of the reason I'm like this, but I, I'm a person who like I think I manage stress really well, and it doesn't it doesn't really come to me that much because I'm the kind of person that's like if something if I encounter some sort of difficulty, I'm just like okay, we'll manage it, or you know, we'll figure out a way around it. Mm-hmm. And it just, that kind of doesn't, the thing that stresses me out the most the thing is I, I think with most people are things that are out of my control, albeit one of the things you kind of taught me and I've kind of learned over my short life is that those are the things you probably shouldn't stress about. Okay, um, that's right. But I just kind of, you know, I just try to break it down to its core components and then just kind of examine that and just like, you know, just deal with it as it comes. I, I like that. I wish that we could break stressful situations down like we do a math problem or a sentence that needs to be diagrammed. Mm-hmm. Did y'all ever diagram sentences in school? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? Like subject and predicate? Yeah, subject, mm-hmm. verb, direct object, yeah. adjectives. I still have adverbs. no idea what you were talking about. I forgot about them, but I just re- I remember the terminology. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Some people uh, solve complex math equations, but I like to diagram sentences. I like to draw pictures of, I don't know. Something. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> I didn't either. There's a, it was a cartoon that I'd made up in grade school, and I've drawn I've drawn him ever since. You've sent me a few cartoons in your day. I probably have. They're probably not of Ed. We won't put those on the website. Please don't. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> today, let's talk a little bit about uh, how to uh, think about facts in emotionally intense situations. Awesome. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Uh, okay, Nathan, you start. Action. There yeah. you go. I did. Okay, that that's like you're starting us. I'm definitely like lights, starting camera. Us. Yeah, lights, camera, action, slate. slate. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of slate, so Forrest is a thespian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. He is uh, big into. Well, I guess it's actually your major, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a I'm a theater major with like an acting focus. That's cool awesome. That, that yeah. is so yeah. awesome. It's so fun. I it's so very many interesting. Questions. I have so <laughs> many questions. Do you like improv? I like it. I love it. I've seen, I saw Second City and actually I saw, um, You are you guys fam- familiar with SNL? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I grew up on that stuff. My parents raised me on SNL, so I was always like really big into it. And uh, when I was, I grew up, and I was like, "Mom and Dad, I want to be on SNL. Like, I want to be, I want to be a stand-up comedian or whatever." And so when I was in eighth grade. Uh, Second City came to Owensboro High School and they performed. I don't know if either of you remember that. Mm-hmm. And my uncle had tickets and he knew that I was really into this kind of thing. So he ended up giving the tickets to me and my dad and I went and saw it. And um, is it Cecily Strong? Uh, that's SNL, the kind of dark headed. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. She's kind of newer in the last like five years. Right. She was still with Second City and Second City is, you know, one of SNL's kind of like recruitment grounds right. where they go and pick people up and she actually performed at Owensboro High School and then like within the next like four or five months she was on SNL. She was in their go. cast. That's how it happens. Is that what's going to happen to you? Uh, we'll see. Uh, right. I like that's it. A th- whenever you kind of get into this kind of thing, you kind of have to 
just, you can't get rigid. You can't have a really set mindset with what you want to do because it is such a kind of turbulent occupational um, choice. Mm-hmm. And there's and it's such a weird job market with like performance that you kind of just have to tell yourself, you know, I love this as a whole. I have a specific thing that I enjoy, i.e. acting. And, you know, I'm going to end up where I'm going to end up. But you never know. I mean, one of the, one of the more prominent members of... Uh, Murray State alumni is W. Earl Brown, who was uh, a theater major, and he's really he's gotten pretty successful. He was just in um, The Highwayman with uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, and he comes back all the time and just talks to us about stuff. And that was one of the things he always tells us. He's like, if you want to, you know, have a career in this, you have to. He's he's saying, uh, he's like, I was like, how can I best prepare myself for a career in performance? And he was like, okay. Um, he's like, get ten year best guy friends, just 10 guys you really trust, line them, uh, you know, line them all up and then get in front of the first one. And that guy's going to hit you in the stomach as hard as he can. <laughs> and then have the rest of the nine do that in a row. And if you can get up after the 10th guy, then you can do it. <laughs> That's and, amazing. Uh, That's incredible. So, yeah. It's, so it's, true it's all about resilience and just kind of being flexible. Resilience, I think is the most, we've talked about this before, the most powerful dynamic of what it means to be a human being. Definitely. That we have the ability to rise up in the midst of despite and oftentimes because of our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Adversity is a test. And, you know, there are people who are the thought for him, the thought of public speaking brings about anxiety, sweaty palms, rapid heart rate. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a whole other level, not only public speaking, but performance, mm-hmm. especially in the world of improv and or comedy mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it's, you're you're expected to perform and to be funny, and if not, that's harsh. Cool. But another comedian friend of mine said, "Hey, you have plenty of crowds that they don't dig you. That's all right. You mm-hmm. you pick yourself up and you do it again." Definitely, it's um and and the thing is, it's acting is I've done I've tried stand up comedy. I was actually uh, I was in the Mister. They every year they have a Mister MSU pageant and a Mrs MSU pageant, and I was in the Mister MSU pageant. I was nominated for my uh, fraternity out of. Alpha Tau Omega, and I went and represented them, and I was in the pageant. And I did stand up, and stand up is something that I've loved ever since I was like seven years old. Like mm-hmm. I love comics, and um, I did it. And you know, I, I'll get in front of you know a thousand people in in you know in my underwear, and, mm-hmm. and you know do Shakespeare, and that doesn't bother me at all. But I know what I'm going to say when I go up on stage. There are things I've been working on this for months and months and months. It sure. is rehearsed. It is somewhat predictable. Uh, you kind of have to dwell in the realm of unpredictability to make it kind of natural seeming. But yeah. uh, I know what, for the most part, I know what I'm going to say. I have a script. I have lines I've memorized. But when I went on stage, it, I couldn't figure out how to rigidly rehearse um, comedy. It's like there was a, there's a documentary I watched recently about Chris Farley's life. And whenever he was in college, him and his roommate were just like sitting in the room and they were just like, let's write a stand-up set because they were just like, let's be comics. And uh, Chris Farley made like one joke or something. It didn't really land. And after like five minutes of that, he was just like, comedy's hard. <laughs> and it, it really is. It's, 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 very, it's very difficult. Like I have such an appreciation for it. Um, but I, it's something you really have to put the work into and kind of like fail a lot. And then you get good at it. Mm-hmm. As with, I know a lot of things, but I mean, at this point, acting is something that's just easy to me. I mean, it finds, I find difficulty in it to learn from it and improve. Uh, but 
it is something that's you know it's, it's rehearsed, it's familiar, and I understand. And it. you have, and you have either, uh, in my opinion, you could probably agree, an, a knack for it or not. I will tell you all. I don't know if you all knew this, but I had an agency because of the whole vampire look-alike uh, that I grew up. Uh, Robert Pattinson, of course, Edward Cullen. I, everyone said I looked like him. So I, I had an it. agency sign up, sign me up for some acting. So then Vampire Diaries was coming out. So I was getting all those auditions. I bet you all didn't know that about me. So I, I was know doing that. that in Nashville. I have uh, to tell on myself in regards to the difficulty of acting. I was doing, uh, I was doing a, a, a table read for, actually it was just Oh, it was so awful. I'm embarrassed right now. So <laughs> my character had to be seated at his cubicle. A rope, an imaginary rope, falls from the ceiling, and I have to take off my tie and headphones because I was working and climb up this imaginary rope toward success. That was this whole commercial shoot was going to be about. There's an imaginary rope. I'm like, I'm not a freaking mime. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. So there's this huge table. There's all this fruit in the middle. All these execs are sitting around. And I literally am like, just, just awkwardly climbing this non-existent rope. Stop, sit down, and say, all right, thank you. Walked out of the room. Obviously <laughs> did not get that job. My point is, is I was holding myself back. I can feel that feeling right now. Of just You know what I'm talking about? Where as an actor... Uh, and again, you, you're far more seasoned than I. You have that <laughs> wall and you're like, okay, am I going to go over this wall? Am I going to really give it my all? And yeah. I just couldn't push through that wall. What do you do? How do you do it every time? It's Well, that's the thing. It, it, you don't really enjoy acting, I think, and you don't really get the most out of it until you learn to fully give yourself to it. And I think that's the thing. Acting is really cool because when you do it and you learn more about it, you end up learning more about yourself and the way you kind of conduct your life and your interactions with other people. And acting, and I think life itself too, is all about you know fully giving yourself to everything and, and, and just engaging in things. And I'm actually, uh, this summer, I'm working, um, my friend Greg Greer opened a children's theater up called the Bluegrass Children's Company. Uh, Children's Theater Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize, Gray, if I if I said that wrong. Anyway, I'm working for her, and I'm one of the lead educators, and I'm going to be teaching kids, and that's one of the thing. One of the things I want to teach them is that, you know, from early on, if you're doing acting, like I wish I taught myself. I knew this in high school. It's like, don't be afraid to feel embarrassed. It's it. You're going to like. I do such silly things as a 20 year old guy, like in my friends, like in my, my like fraternity brothers, they love to hear like the stories and stuff of just like kind of like the goofy stuff I do. And like a lot of theater stuff is just inherently like odd or strange. Like one of the strangest moments I've ever had was when I was in high school, I went to this place uh, called the, um, the International Thespian Festival in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's this huge gathering of like high school thespians uh, from all over the world. And like they, they bring in like professional people. Like the first year I went, when I was a sophomore in, uh, sophomore in high school, they brought in Alan Menken for the first night and he gave this like presentation. Uh, the guy that did all, does all the music for Disney. Um, and they do workshops and stuff. And I went to, I was like, uh, my friend was like, oh, let's go to a workshop for us. And I was like, I hate workshops. They're weird. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and he was like, no, let's go. And I was like, fine. And so I went to one. And within um, like 20 minutes, this I was like on my hands. There was a woman I'd never met like holding my legs behind me and she was pretending I was a wheelbarrow, like kind of like walking me and I was a lawnmower and I had to mow over my friend and I was just like making noises with my mouth and then the guy was like, stop, I don't believe that you're a lawnmower. Mm. And the thing is, he's trying to impart this lesson to me about like, you know, 
giving yourself fully. But at the time I couldn't get over the fact that I was like, this is silly. Why am I a lawnmower right now? Right. But that's the thing is you just kind of have to, you have to admit to yourself that this is silly, but be okay with that. It's, right. it's hard. I think as, as, and I've never considered myself like a really kind of theatrical person. I've, I've always considered myself kind of like this kind of maybe awkward, slightly athletic kid that just kind of fell into theater. And it's just something I just am super impassioned about and I love now. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to get over that. What I'm, what I, you know, I'm too cool to be doing this kind of hump. Um, and I have to do that in a lot of my classes. I have to get over that kind of hump. Uh, but essentially what long winded point, I'm sorry. I talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, long point is, you know, you just have to admit to yourself that what you are doing is silly but also what you are doing is just really fun and to enjoy it and to kind of um, lose to, yourself to in lose it. yourself in it. And it, it's really cool because you get to kind of reinvent your own sense of imagination. And I'm getting to rediscover an imagination I had when I was really young as an adult that I'm like kind of reclaiming now. And I find that I look at life in a kind of a different way now because I have a much more engaged mm-hmm. imagination on a day-to-day basis. I and you just have to engage that. That's part of the problem with adults is that we forget how to play, mm-hmm. forget how to be silly, become very self-conscious and very uh, self-aware and not necessarily the positive sense of that and also very serious. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I used to lead retreats uh, for uh, various groups, I, I still do, um, but I did it very often. I would always uh, have some sort of element of play uh, for adults sitting around tables. It might be a weekend retreat, might be a serious subject matter, might be a visioning or strategizing session, but I would have, there would be Play-Doh, uh, there would be drawing uh, equipment and instruments. Uh, there'd be all kinds of things for people to experiment a little bit with their imagination because I think we stymie that the older we get, you know, we as children have no problem in the middle of the floor surrounded by family dancing like we're ridiculous, but mm-hmm. we grow older and we're like, oh, we, we would never do that. You know, yeah. we don't want them to think that we're crazy or silly or stupid, mm-hmm. which is so sad. So we end up taking things very seriously. As a result, we have no real sense of connection to what is innate in us, which is a kind of certain playfulness. Mm-hmm. Then when we are encountered by stressful situations or anxiety producing situations, we are not equipped to deal with them in any way other than with abject seriousness. Mm-hmm. And that's very stressful for us. So that's why I think it's important for us as we encounter stress to be able to kind of break it down to its individual parts and to ask ourselves like, what am I taking too seriously here? What am, What is there here that I could be a little bit more playful with? In family systems theory, which is a, a, a particular way of seeing the world that I, I use in my practice, one of the kind of dominant ways of thinking is that playfulness will get you out of a ditch far quicker than seriousness will. I don't mean passive aggressive, uh, making fun of people. I mean, just taking oneself less seriously, more lightly, and trying to find the humor. This is what makes comedians funny, mm-hmm. is they take humanity, they observe it with incredible insight and accuracy and with perfect timing deliver a truth that they are bold or crazy enough to name. We all know it's true. We just won't acknowledge it out loud. And because that person, he or she has acknowledged it, it's hilarious because we can relate to it. They've been able to break it down 
look at it, offer up something true about it, and just because it's funny doesn't mean it's any less important. I think comedians offer incredible social commentary. Who's a comedian that you just, off the top of your head, you're like, I really like their deliveries? Um, I love, uh, there's a great guy on Netflix named, um, he's got this very dry, he's not my favorite comedian, but he's got this very dry delivery and he doesn't hardly react to his own material at all. And it's so, his name is Todd Berry, by the way. He's a special on Netflix called Todd Berry Spicy Honey. And it's like everything is so dryly delivered and he doesn't react to it at all. And I think it just taps into this thing in me where it's like, if someone doesn't think they're funny, I think they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's it's the funniest thing. And I have a lot of friends who I just, I, I tell them, I'm like, you're hilarious. And they're like, I'm, I'm not funny. I'm like, you are because you don't think you are. Right. And, and that kind of- They're wry. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just, it might just be my interpretation of like what I'm perceiving to be funny, but- Either way, but Todd Berry's legitimately like very funny. My favorite comedian is um is a comedian named Tom Segura. And I, I saw him. He's the only comedian I've ever seen, well, other than the comedian, like the headliner. Uh, well, not the headliner. He was the headliner. The comedians that opened for him. I saw Tom Segura in um, Lexington last year, and I'd never seen a comedian. It's something that I've like loved my whole life, but I'd never gone to see one live, and it was amazing. I cannot recommend enough for like people that love comedy to go actually see it live, which is weird because I've been doing live theater for so long, and I just took so long to see it. Mm-hmm. But I was in the, it was this little comedy club in Lexington, and it was so funny because like we were sitting at all the... It was like all these little tables and the waiters or the servers uh, would just kind of like come in and towards the end, they would just like crawl around and be like, do you want a drink? Do you want a refill? And I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm fine. It's like, okay, okay. And they just like crawl away. And I'm like, oh, there, there they go. <laughs> That's um, bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. And, the, and the, the, uh, the comedians that came before him were hilarious. And the person I was with at the time who bought me the tickets just knew I was obsessed with this guy. He's got like three specials on Netflix. Um, and she goes, I was watching this guy and I was just laughing and she goes, there he is. And I turn around and he's like standing in the door, leaning up against it in the same outfit he wears in like all of his specials, this like black jacket and um, jeans. And I just like freaked out. I was like, oh my God. And then he walks past me and his jacket brushes my arm. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, and it was just the greatest moment ever. And then I, I saw him and like his his material was all different it was completely separate from his specials on Netflix. It was all brand new. And it was a lot of it was like very just about Lexington or Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, he just ripped us to pieces. Sure, but, uh, it's not hard to but do. It, yeah, but it was very funny. Uh, but Tom Segura, Todd Berry. Um, I love old stuff. I love Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. Bill Hicks is, you know, just super vulgar, but I, oh, I yeah. love him. The satellite uh, radio um, channels for comedy are my favorite. Mm-hmm. If I'm not listening to podcasts, if I'm traveling alone, because obviously language and kids, yeah. uh, I'm listening to the comedy channels. They're absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. My favorite comedian is Jim Gaffigan. Oh, yes. Uh, he's Roman Catholic. Uh, the Pope requested his uh, audience when he came to the United States, which is pretty funny. That's awesome. He's totally self-deprecating. Um, he has th- this way of delivering uh, your own thoughts back to you, mm-hmm. which he does in this high-pitched voice. He has tons of Netflix specials, and and he's the only comedian I've ever seen in person. I've never been to a comedy club, not, but Joy got me tickets to see Jim Gaffigan. I think it was for my birthday last year. Uh, it may have been for Christmas, and he was in Louisville, and it was f- spectacular. Uh, his opener, I can't remember his name, was also hilarious. We had great seats. 
Um, but the guy's just, he's just hilarious. And, and I love it. I love everything about it. I like Gaffigan as well. I like his delivery. I like his, that high pitch. Yeah. It gets yeah. me every time. I think it's really funny, his yeah. shtick, his thing. You yeah. know, the other, a lot of comedians have this very like vulgar and aggressive approach and like delivery rather. And it's funny. It's okay. It's their thing. It's their bit. The the guy that's in, um, uh, he's on this NBC comedy show. I forget, but he's a younger man with longer hair, and it's kind of scooped back. But he's always really aggressive. Chris Dahlia, probably. I think I, that's him. I, is he he's he's funny, but he's really vulgar and aggressive. You know, yeah. like that's a lot of people find that funny. Yeah. How do you? How did you plan for your comedy? Like. When I think about, you know, you write all your jokes down, things that are are funny, but then they are rehearsed, yet you have to make them deliver natural. That's a yeah, hard it's, element. It's that's theater. that's the, the theater. That's the thing is you, I've watched maybe hundreds of comedians and, and you know, I think I have just like, I thought I had just had this incredible understanding of them. And uh, I did, I did stand up at, when I, that international thespian festival thing, when I was a sophomore in high school, they had a talent show, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do stand up, and it was the first time. It was well, technically not. I did I did in a uh, summer camp when I was like eight, and they just like everyone just thought I was hilarious. I became like really popular at a summer camp overnight because of the stupid comedy I did. Overnight sensation. Yeah, camp. it was. I was like eight years old. I felt like a I felt like a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, um, there but, were twelve very impressed other eight year olds. <laughs> exactly. They they love my my observational humor about um, swimming. Yes. Um, and I. But I, I did that at the International Thespian Festival uh, in the talent show for, I think, about like 50 to 100 people. And it was like the first time I'd really ever done it. And I did this story about, I told this story about like, I was an altar boy. Well, you know, I'm Catholic and I was an altar boy. And I think one time I accidentally like peed on my robe. I heard that. Yeah, stick. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and it went pretty well. Um but it freaked me out. Like it was so like my, like when I, but when I did it for the Mr. MSU pageant recently, uh, I just kind of, I just, for like a month or two, I just kept writing little like jokes down on like index cards. And I was just like, I would read them and I just like, I just look at it and be like, Oh, that's not funny. Mm. And it's, it's kind of like what Chris Farley said. I was just like, comedy is hard. Like yeah. <laughs> it's so like watching it. It's just, I think that's one of the things that's so appealing about it and appealing about performance in general is it's something that's so, it looks so effortless. And I was telling, um, my friend, one of my theater friends the other day, um, uh, because I'm working for the children's theater company and I saw one of their performances the other day uh, at, um, I think it's Century Christian Church. And uh, they did this show and it was like this children's show and we all sat in a circle. It was kind of like Aladdin. It was called Arabian Nights. And I told her, I was just like, it was amazing because even though they're kids... It, me as an adult, I'm still just so impressed with that because I don't know the script they're learning and I don't know what they're about to do. So they're doing things that I don't know. And I, you know, it's just naturally impressive to me. And so that was the thing is when I was rehearsing this comedy routine, I was just like, how do they do it? Mm -hmm. um, but it was difficult to, um, it was, it was difficult to kind of memorize the jokes, but make them not sound robotic and like, like a monologue from a play. Uh, and it was a lot of like, it was a lot of like crowd work essentially. And it, it, it went pretty well. Um, I wish it would have gone better, but it went about as well <laughs> as it could have gone. I think I remember famous last words. Yeah. It was like, there was like one like kind of awful part where my heart sank because I was doing pretty well. Uh, my opening joke was kind of funny. Um, 
Murray State is it has a lot of uh, occupational safety and hazard majors, OSH, mm-hmm. and like I think it was so stupid. I came out and I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, where are my OSH majors at? Uh, and then they were like, right here. And I was like, all right, cool, let's move on. Kind of like the whole Jim Carrey thing where he would do, he would be like, how's everyone doing tonight? All righty then. And then he just like moves right along. <laughs> sure. So I kind of copied that <laughs> shtick uh, unintentionally. Right. Um, and then I was I was doing well. And then I did this one joke and like it was. It, people laughed a little bit and then there was like one overly loud fraternity guy that was just like, ha, huh? and I was like, oh, that hurt my feelings. Mm. Ouch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, I, I was so nervous about it. Um, this happens in performance sometimes. I didn't realize, but um, I blacked out. You know, you, you get on stage and that you start a monologue or you start doing something and if you're nervous enough, you will black out and forget everything that happened. It's a very interesting phenomenon. And so I got off stage and I talked to my parents after and they're like, that went really well. And I watched um, like a video of it. And so I kind of came back to me, but there, I was like, really? I don't remember any of it. Sure. It's, it's kind of, it's very odd. Anxiety. Yeah. And my heart That's was your beating. spraying down the decks with cortisol right there. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you for a great podcast. I share it every chance I get and I love the work that you guys do. Keep up the good work. I just think there's something really magnificent, though. You're 20, mm-hmm. 20 about to be years 21. old, mm-hmm. and you're putting yourself out there from a, I mean, you can dissect this from a philosophical, a psychological, all those standpoints, but I think that so many things that you are, have learned already, you're putting yourself out there, the preparation, all that applies to anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. Exactly. It's like so many people are 40 or 50 and don't put themselves out there for fear of something, for fear of a, a boo or a ha, you know, whether <laughs> yeah. it hurts or not, you still did it. And those are just, those are magnificent things mm-hmm. and thoughts, you know, for my 34 year old mind sitting here with you, I'm just impressed by, I appreciate that because, Thank you. you know, you spend your life like, you're just trying every single day to better yourself and 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 your thing, your thing is of course entertainment and 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 humor and all those things. It's just it's impressive to me. Thank you. It was it was terrifying because it, it was a lot of pressure because you know a lot of times it's cool if you have something that you desire over the course of like your childhood and your you know when you're a teenager and your you know your life, but at the same time it's a lot of pressure to move forward and actually act upon that. And so my whole life, I, I kept telling myself and my friends would tell me, oh, you should be a comedian, you should be a comedian. And I would tell myself, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be a comedian. But then when push comes to shove and you have to get on stage and make up stuff and make people laugh, it's terrifying. And so I did it and I, I, it, was, it, was, it was a weird peak. It's like I walked off stage and I just felt nothing. And I was just like, well, I did it. And then... I think the I think the day of or the day before or the day after it was when that within that span I just started I was walking to a class uh, and I just started and it was a rehearsal I was walking to a rehearsal for a show I was in at the time and I just started like crying on the way because I was just like if I could talk to myself at eight years old I think he would be proud of me and mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing absolutely is when you can sit there and say my child self mm-hmm. with all his or her wonderment and, and expectations of how the world works and naive naivete I think uh, naivete, I think it's, naivete that's mm-hmm. the word um, would be proud of me in this moment and that's a very powerful emotion to feel absolutely and I just started crying and I walked into my rehearsal and I sat down like on the other side away from the other actors and I just kind of 
experience the, this emotion. And then like in the middle of the rehearsal, the, one of the actors came up to me that I, I didn't even know. I didn't talk to the guy. And he comes up to me. He's like, hey man, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? What's up? And he was like, I saw you, you looked very upset. And I was just like, oh. And then I explained to the cast what kind of happened. And I, and I was just, it was a nice moment, but that's, it's a very, it's, it's a very scary thing to be vulnerable in front of people. But then when you start doing it consistently, kind of like I do, it's so like freeing. Yeah. It's so freeing to Satisfying. get on stage and just open yourself up. Well, I'd like to question uh, the assumptions, I guess the base core truth to that, because I do think that by and large people do think that that's terrifying, mm-hmm. either to be vulnerable or to be on stage or both. Um, but why? I don't know. I experienced that a lot with music and touring and, and playing in front of, once that first note comes out of my mouth, the the, the terror kind of subsides. Yeah, I think that's that's it's true. It's just a lot that of moment there's that blip on the radar i can't explain it I don't what know. is it that we are most afraid of except uh, for me if all the time it was acceptance it was rejection. like pleasant uh, pleasing i just wanted to please you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and there's a study that came out i can't it's, uh, i think i read it in polestar or something people 97 percent of concert goers whether uh comedy or or theater or music 97 percent want to be entertained Oh, you yeah. don't buy a ticket and say, oh, "I'm going to hate this damn show." Sure, sure, you go there wanting it. There are three percent that go just because they have, you know, the, the ride or whatever. My point is, is like the likelihood of entertaining and and you know captivating a crowd is pretty high, ninety seven percent. So expectations are high too. Though. Yeah, right. And you think that just because you have the expectation to be made to laugh, that could work for you as a as a, a performer. It could work against you because if someone's coming in here like, "Hey, make me laugh," I'm I'm excited to laugh. They could be more open to laughing or they could be a little bit more uh, aloof to it. Yeah. Maybe harder work for you. So I think that's, I do think it comes down to acceptance and rejection. I also think it comes ultimately down to what people think of us. Right. And you have to wonder, you know, first of all, why does it matter uh, what people think of us? Really, at the end of the day, why does it matter? That's never anything that anyone wrestles with who are nearing the end of their days. I just wish that I had worried a little bit more about what people think of me. Nobody ever says that. Why do we put so much energy into it? Imagine the liberation we'd all experience if we decided that that was no longer going to be a priority, that was no longer going to be a fear that we allowed to have the kind of death grip on our personalities that it does. And I think that's what's so enticing for me to hear you talk is like whenever you, I I referred to that wall whenever I did that uh, audition, you surpass that wall and don't care and it's so liberating and you're free like mm-hmm. you're totally free yeah. i think that we can apply that with everything absolutely we, everything we really can including stressful situations mm-hmm. where we can break them down look at the facts decide that we want to be playful about that how much of that has to matter and how much of that do we want to have say over us how much of that do we want to have control over us mm-hmm. i want to be free yeah no um i was just going to Agree with you there, um, Nathan. It's, it's. I'm always learning, though, and I think that's always always something to think about. Is I still have that kind of sportsy 
um, trying to be cool kid from like middle school and early high school in me. Cause I, I played sports my whole life. My parents just like threw me into all the sports to find something that stuck. And I ended up playing hockey for a long time. And then, uh, when I got to Owensboro high school, all my friends from Owensboro middle school played football. So I was like, Oh, I'll play football. Just thinking like, Oh, my friends are doing it. But then, you know, here comes like summer two a days and I'm <laughs> coming yeah. home at the end of the day, just exhausted. I'm sure. like, why am I doing this? I'm not good at this. Right. Uh, and then, my freshman year, a bunch of my football buddies actually did theater and that's how I got into it. Um, and that's where I started as just some kind of sporty-ish kid uh, that still didn't really fit in sports, uh, just doing theater and it just stuck. And I've been doing it ever since then. But even now as uh, you know, I'm nearing my junior year of college and I've been doing this for four, five, six, seven years, I still am constantly having to tell myself to, you know, Stop being trying to be so cool. Just sure. let it let it happen. I had an audition. I'm in Mamma Mia with uh, encore musicals here in town this summer, uh, and um, in the audition, I, I, there were several times I had to tell myself, "I'm like, why? Why do you feel? Uh, why are you uh, freezing up about this? Like, just just go into it. Just Good. you know." Good. But the difference is, you can do that. You can talk to yourself. And you will listen. And that's that's a skill I think that everybody really could benefit from. Absolutely. Being able to talk to themselves. Self-talk mm-hmm. is what we call it. You should be your own best friend for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to self-soothe, self-supervise. Yeah, mm-hmm. good for you. Well, hey, it's been a wonderful pleasure and privilege to have you on. Been a, priv- a privilege to be on. It's been an honor. Thank I love you. it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. And I am Forrest Clark. And this is You'll Die Trying. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.